0: Love Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jody Mullen. Welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This is a series of podcasts dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children, help children behave, and really just be their best. Um, I'm in a unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and play therapist for nearly 20 years. I'm also a mom, so I have learned some (laughs) things that way as well. I've learned many lessons from my child clients and certainly from my own children. This has informed my parenting um, as well as the parent coaching that I do as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and their parents that there are some simple principles for parenting. I'll cover more than 20 principles for Blissful Parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and life-altering. They will change and enhance the relationships you have with children, how children behave, and how you feel about yourself around children and improve your overall parenting esteem. In this um, podcast, I will talk about a specific principle or lesson and how you can apply it. There will be special guests that will further our conversations about parenting and children. You'll want to stay tuned for my upcoming book, Blissful Parenting, and check out my website at www.integrativecounseling.us or follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen. So today I have with me my friend and guest, (laughs) um, June Rickley. Um, She's really just my sidekick. She's also a mental health counselor, a play therapist, a mom, and a grandma. And today we're gonna be addressing the impact of the Newtown really horror on on children. And so um, welcome, June. Thanks. You're welcome. I, I thought, you know, this was although doesn't really doesn't necessarily fit so perfectly into our traditionally well behaved um, kids um rubric that this makes sense to talk talk about because um it really has impacted um all of us. You know, I would say that you know, all of the children um that and teens that I worked with this past week um, in my clinical practice, and all, and actually all the ones that I really came in contact with, that I, my own children and some of my kids' friends, um, it all it was it was on everybody's minds, at least in some way, shape, or form. And so I thought that it made a lot of sense to discuss um, how to listen and talk to your kids, not just your younger children, but even also your teens, as well as how um, parents can manage their own fears and anxiety. Um, you know, one of the first things that really I um, struck me um, when this tragedy happened and I first learned about it was that this is really a parent's worst nightmare. And so as scary as it would be for our children um, to learn about the, what happened and the nature of this um, tragedy is that when it really comes down to it, as parents, this is a these are the things that we have nightmares about. So um, that as much as it will affect our children and teens, it also um, certainly impacts us and the way that we interact, even if it's only for a time being um, with our children and teens. So um, that was one of the things that I really wanted to point out. And the other thing I think um, that, you know, just to share with the audience is that my sister had asked me, she has uh, my niece's um Seven and yes, my niece is seven and my nephew is eleven. And you know, she asked, "How how do I tell them?" And so those were the kind of first questions that came, you know, um, in for me. And and I just want to share a little bit about what I shared with my sister. And I know it's you know sort of past the time where our, most of our children who are going to learn about it have already learned about it. it. Is just that in any kind of tragedy on um, any kind of thing that's difficult to tell to your child um, because of the way that you're worried about it may impact your child or the way that even you're feeling. So this would be a national, um, really a, a world tragedy, like the one that we just experienced, or even like something that's very close to home, like a pet dying or something um, like that, is that when you're talking to your children, you want to just be able to, um, as much as you can, put some of your your feelings on the side so that you can communicate in a way to them that they still feel safe. Uh, That becomes the most important part. Um, The facts that you tell them should be very gauged to their age. Um, So you don't want to create anxiety in them, but you want to give them the facts. And probably the most important thing is that you want to listen to them. So It depends. If your kids have lots of questions, then you're going to respond to those questions. But some children, when they, you know, even found out about this particular tragedy, they didn't really have, you know, questions. They kind of, you know, shrugged their shoulders or said, okay, that's sad, but didn't really ask anything um, beyond that. So there's a lot of variables that get caught up in that, how old your child is, how close um how closely related in any way that they might be to a tragedy like this, um, if it triggers other um anxieties or fears that they have, what other experiences you all have had as a family. So really there's not, you know, in, there's not a sort of guidance that we could give in just that covers everything. Um but this is where, and I think that this is something we've said before on um, June when we talked to parents is that you really are the expert on your own kids. So take, you know, what we're saying and then filter through what you already know about your own child. So I, I wanna make sure that I um, said that from the get-go. Um, anything, June, that you wanted to add to that? that I well, and, well, and even with each with each child, it's different. And there are, like like you said, I mean, to make sure and explain things, um you know, according to their developmental level, and with children um often they'll um you can give them a certain amount of information and and it it takes them and they may seem like okay and they're fine, and some kids take that then and process it and then come back for more and it's so it's it 's kind of like giving them um giving them as much as they need at the moment and then um some of those kids will come back and like after processing, maybe have more questions and i even, I even see that not not with this event because my um granddaughter is too too young to um really have have known what was going on with that, but I see with other things that she asks about things and and um you know I see my son and daughter in law and they you know they explain things to her very developmentally appropriate and then I've seen her take that, kinda of go around, play, and then come back later and say, Well right. and then take it a step further and it's um you know, I think the same goes here. I I children can only accept a certain amount of information at one time. Yeah. I think that's really um, an important thing to point out because I think with children, even school age children. So I know your grandchildren are even younger than that, but but with school, even with school age children um, and adolescents, this is true too. Is you can give them the information, you can say this is what you know, this is what happens, um, you know, and like you might not get much of a reaction, and that doesn't mean you have a cold hearted child or a child who's not right. a classic. Um, But what they have to do is this sort of tragedy doesn't fit into how children see the world, right? So even children who have seen, um, like, domestic violence or they've um, witnessed um, maybe, you know, um, something tragic like a car accident or something like that, this still doesn't fit into how they see the world. In fact, it doesn't fit into how we see the world, you know, as adults. So so part of what happens is when you tell them they have to really like filter through everything that they already know. And because there's hardly anything for that you know, thought to glob onto, I don't know how else to say it mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. it means that they that they are going to take, if they even do have questions or even if they do want to talk about, it might take a little time. I mean, it might even take longer than, you know, now you might have told them you know, last week when this happened, and it's been a week and they haven't said anything about it, but in three months from now, they might say, remember, you know, you Mm -hmm. told me about what happened. Um, So I think that that is, you know, a really important um, factor. And I do also want to stress, again, that if you have spoken to your child about it and they didn't seem, like, to get emotional or upset or, you know, feel sad or, or make a, you know, make a comment or Gesture that um, you you would think would be appropriate to such a tragedy, that that does not say anything negative about them. That's just that it's so hard to digest um, emotionally, that and cognitively that they don't have they really don't have a reaction for it. So even you know really sensitive, empathic. Loving, warm children might have just shrugged their shoulders when we, you know when you told them, so I just wanted to you know reaffirm um that as well. I think that's important, um, but we did one of the things that we did see, and um in like I had mentioned earlier was in some of the children that we see for counseling on um, children and adolescents I'm going to talk about is um, that they did want to talk about. Um, the events that happen in Newtown, and um, I think that, that this is important too, is that many of the children that we, and then the teens that we see in counseling are there because they're just dealing with problems of everyday living. Their parents are getting divorced. They're um, not doing well in school. They um, they were being bullied. You know, some, it's the things that that are pretty typical. But some of the children that we see, um, you know, are are dealing with more significant Um, mental health kind of issues like are suffering from true anxiety or depression, um, you know, things of that nature. So in a more, um, so if your child is a child who has, like, anxiety or depression at a clinical level, um, this may have struck them a little bit harder. They're a little bit more vulnerable. And so um, I wanted to suggest that, you know, too. And another thing that I'll talk about in a few minutes there's a lot to talk about. Is um, what? Yeah, I mean, really, is like what when you should be alarmed in terms of a parent and seek professional help um, in terms of anxiety and depression. What that kind of looks like in kids. So we wanted to give you some ideas about that too. But I, um, I had really just a couple of kids mention um, mention um, things today um, last week about. Um, the Newtown, Connecticut um, tragedy, and one was a little boy who is, um, you know, a pretty tough little dude, and um, he just wanted to talk to me about like uh, how he because he has because he has a gun. We live in a hunting community, so um, it's not uh, not unheard of that children that we work with in counseling have guns or use guns and that kind of thing. So he was talking about his guns and how. Um, responsible he is with his guns, and I think that for that sounded to me like, and I um, I commented and responded to him in this way is that he wanted me to know that he is a person who has a gun and shoots guns, but he wouldn't hurt another person. And I think that that was so important that because that's what he was linking together that somebody with a gun hurt all these little kids, and that's. And even though I have a gun and even though I'm a tough little dude, I wouldn't do that. And I think he was worried, you know, to a degree about um what that looks like. So I thought that was an interesting take on uh on um his concern, you know, that came with the impact of um this tragedy. Yeah, um and then another amazing. and then another um another teenager that I worked with um who already is you know um has some anxiety um, did not want to go to school, and it wasn't because of what happened um directly in Connecticut, but there was some threats and and this is usually we can expect this after this kind of um event is there was some copycat kind of like threats made in called into schools um and there was one called into her school, and she just was like, "I'm not going, <laughs> you know, and um, I talked with her um about that, and, I, and we felt like that was a fine decision. You know, it was the last day before holiday break and, you know, um, sh- that she has not missed a day of school before, and she would be too anxious to really be focused on her work. So that that seemed like a reasonable thing to do, um, but the other thing that we wanted to talk about was, like, when is that not reasonable anymore? Well, what becomes unreasonable, where her, where if she wasn't already seeking professional help, you would want to is if she won't return to school once the break is over, um, so it's the not returning to school or being getting physically ill um, about going to school. A lot of times little younger children too will ex- that experience of anxiety for them is somatic, which means it's in their body, so they'll complain of headaches or stomach aches and not want to go to school because they're afraid of, you know, of what happened. So we just want to, you know, be very vigilant about recognizing what is that. They just don't feel like going to school. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. what is, like, over the top, that they, they're afraid about going to school. I don't know, June, did you have any of the kids that you see um, want to talk about what happened in Newtown with you this week? Um I didn't have any of the children that I work with but I did have um a few of the parents of the children that I work with and um I, I kind of did a little um a little more consulting with them um than than normal I think they needed to talk to somebody about um about this whole yeah. thing and, and kind of like um I found a lot of the parents that I work with or or the ones that had come to me they're they they were in such a state of um like grief themselves over over this whole thing and kind of how it was affecting their parenting like how could i ever get mad at my child how can i ever um you know thinking of the loss that these other parents had gone through they were just overwhelmed with how can i ever get mad at this kid again i am so happy to have I- him <laughs> right, right, right Well, I, I think, you know, that there's there's this, like, sort of double um, side of this Is that you rec- you stop and count your blessings And, you, you know, mm-hmm. give gratitude to the abundance in your life And yet, at the same time, like, there's a real fear that comes over So I'm really glad that you brought this up Because that really was more what we dealt with this week Than the children talking about it Was um, the parents of the children that we see being concerned And... And just parents, period, being concerned. So, um, I, you know, just to share a quick, a quick story: is I, um, my son's birthday was this past week, and I have he goes to the same elementary school that my daughter went to. So I've been, you know, in the school, in the classroom, I, you know, I don't know, 50 times, you know, at least, um, just you know, doing classroom kind of activities with the kids, you know, besides dropping them off and picking them up. Well, so I was, um. In, in his classroom, and the, the teacher was giving the class some instruction as I was, like, preparing to do his birthday celebration. And I just, for one moment, I noticed, oh, my gosh, his classroom is right in the front of the school, you know, um, and mm-hmm. it's ground level. And I it was something I never even paid attention to before, and, you know, like how vulnerable a classroom that is, you know, from the outside. And so... Um, it, you know it, it really changed for us as parents. I think it really changes the way you know that we think about our own safety so the loss is certainly of the you know the the victims of what happened in newtown but the but there's some other losses that come too, and one of those losses is really for you know for i would say all parents <laughs> you know that have any idea what happened in this you know, in this um, tragedy is that we all lost a sense of safety and security. And, you know, schools are, you know, for most most of us, we've thought of that way as a place that's, you know, at least uh, fairly safe and fairly secure um, physically, you know, for our kids. And so there was um, a secondary or um, an untangible loss um, that came along with this. Um you know, with the tragedy in Newtown, so that's I think we did hear a lot about that from parents right and and most of the work that I did this week was mostly in trying to help those parents um you know kind of just like listen to them, but also to help them then to be able to um you know go over okay, what are the signs of anxiety in your own children that you you know that that you need to look for to make sure that you're tuned into them and are, are giving them everything that they need. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it can be really confusing in kids because both anxiety and um, depression, and this would be typically spark more of an anxiety reaction than a depressing uh, reaction. But those things, look, um, but both of those um, look very similar in children, so it's mm-hmm. hard sometimes to you know, delineate between anxiety and and depression in children. And the other pieces, they don't really look like they do in adults. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, so when, yeah, I mean, they do look different. And here's the, you know, here's the thing, is that um, anxiety really looks like irritability in children. So, you, you know, if your child's being kind of bratty, um, more bratty than usual, but they're also not sleeping very well and they're more clingy and... Um, and this would be even true of your teenager um who might have a better understanding of what you know really happened and might have you know for some of I know my um daughter's a middle schooler like they talked about it in school and she's seen you know some of the um reports on t v which are you know um hit hit home greater than reading something or hearing something on the radio so um so this might be true even of your teenager who, you know, you know, um, usually does something with their friends on Friday nights, but this Friday kind of just wanted to stay home. Now, is that abnormal? No, not given the light of what has happened. But if it continues and it, mm-hmm. it's like impairing them in any way, impairing them in their social life, impairing them school-wise, so academically, impairing them in terms of their like basic needs, they're not eating or sleeping well, or they're having difficulty concentrating. That's when, if they're not already involved with a professional, it might be, you know, time to at least have a consultation with a mental health professional. Because we're we're here. This is what we do. We, you know, we know how to handle these kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, both on the parent consultation side and um, on the child or teen side. So it makes a lot of sense that we <laughs> that you were doing a lot of that this past week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I thought um, was probably important for us to talk about was just focus on on parents' own anxiety for a little, you know, a few minutes here while we have a chance, is that, um, it, you know, is recognizing what your own anxiety really is about and what you can do about that. And I think we were talking about this as helpers, um, our staff was, is that this is like the hardest thing um, in so many ways for anybody who's a helper, which parents are helpers <laughs> um is that you feel helpless you feel like they're and powerless like there's really nothing that you can do and so sometimes what you can do is just is um changing your focus and so I think that we've seen a lot of that you know sort of publicly people um you know uh, creating healing uh, experiences and um you know just ways of honoring the victim so I, I thought that you know, that's even something you can do as a parent with your with your children, or even as a teacher with the children in your classroom, if it's appropriate in your in your school, is to do something that focuses on the healing component, on the community building component. And I wanted to share with you um, one of the counselors at uh, our clinical practice um, has a client who decided to uh, create a smile club in light of what happened. Um, so, and this is just so cool, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, shared it with as many people as possible. But what it takes to be in the Smile Club is you just have to want to join. And so um, within the, you know, a week she had, um, and this is like a like a 11-year-old, a fifth grader, she had um, 20 people join a Smile Club. And the mission statement of the Smile Club is that you have to give three extra smiles a day. To be, you know, to people that you might not normally smile at. And so um, just something like that and that, you know, that child thing, like if people feel connected, you know, in her own, you know, 11-year-old way, if people feel connected to their community and that people – um, you know, get a message of warmth and caring from other people, which happens in a smile. Is that that might do something? That might make the world a little bit of a better place. And I just thought that that was such a good, you know, example of like, you know, we can't we can't change what happened, but how can you know how can we make our own communities, small, you know, our own small community, um, you know, maybe meaning our family or our our, our uh, schools or our church communities. How can we take those communities and just spread that healing and connected connectedness? That feels, you know, that that feels good. That's how that's how we um, mm-hmm. cope with something like this. Yeah, you know, I, um, I a... want to go back. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you said before about um, about you know feeling helpless and how many parents mm-hmm. feel helpless and um and also what you said about just like um just listening and i and i think um like sometimes there isn't anything you can do to make it better except to listen and i know even just what i was um feeling my, myself with regard to um the new town um tragedy and i know how how much it helped me, you know. I luckily I work with lots of counselors, <laughs> and right. we. It felt really good. Like it's not like they could any of them could make it better, but I just could talk about it, and they could yeah. listen. And so sometimes the, mo- the the best thing you can do to help somebody is to simply be a pr- presence and listen to them. Yeah, and and I and I think that's so. I'm glad that we um, came back to this because it's so important, you know, with your child. So they might um, they might be just sharing about, like, some of the rumors that they heard and they just might need facts that way. But they also might be, um, in terms of listening to them, they might want to talk about how they notice that you feel sad or that when you watch TV that, you know, um, you're crying. And so some of it might be, like, their reaction to you. And also in listening to your kids, they might have questions, and I think this is really important, they might have questions that you don't know the answer to, like, why would somebody mm-hmm. do that, you know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, so it will never make sense, like, there's no, there's not ever going to be a reasonable reasonable why, you know, like, there's just mm-hmm. no way to make sense of, um, you know, something so, something that doesn't make any sense, so you know, it is fine to say to your children, not just about this, but really about anything. When you don't know the answer, it is fine to say, I don't know. And, you know, I think we've talked about that in other of the um, blissful parenting principles, is that it's really okay as a parent to convey that you don't know everything that there is to know. And although you might feel like in that moment you're not Um, providing as much um, sense of safety or nurturance that you could for your child, like you should know the answer. I think that that's a better place to be honest and say that you don't know the answer and that that there aren't any answers that would make sense why somebody would do that. You know, um, I think that that's a much better road to take um, because your child will trust that more than a made-up answer, which I don't even know what kind of answer he, was, he could make up. It's so, mm-hmm. you know, bizarre. Yeah. So, so it, it is so important, like, I think listening to them first. And just some, you know, key uh, on listening, we did a previous podcast about communication with your child. So if you haven't listened to that one, you know, certainly check that one out because that has some good information in there. But being patient, you know, and letting your child get it out in the way that they get it out. And listening might not just mean like when they're talking. It might be um, you actually can be listening to your child as you watch them play because all children um, communicate through their play. And so, mm-hmm. if you watch them play, they're playing out what you know what's on their mind, what their concerns are, what's happening in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, if their play has changed some and and um, is weaving in some of the impact of this you know tragedy, then certainly you would um, you will see that in their play. So remember that their play is a form of communication, and that includes what they're drawing or stories that they're making up. So it won't always just be like the direct communication that you get from your um, child um, in terms of what you need to listen to. You need to be listening to weigh, you know, to weigh more than that. And also, you know, an- another piece of that is just, um, and I think, like I'm, I'm saying this, although I know that um, most parents know to do this, just monitoring um, what they're watching with regard to um, the news that, is, that comes out of um, this experience um, mm-hmm. on TV, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Definitely, yeah. and yeah. Any, any, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I said go ahead, June. <laughs> oh, uh, well, and and just being able to read your children and to see, okay, maybe it, maybe it's just a little bit of extra nurturance they need right now, even if it's just um, you know an extra ten minutes of of lying in bed together in the morning before the day begins, and and just like those little ways that. Um, kids could be showing you that I kind of need you a little bit more <laughs> than um, you know. I'm really kind of trying to struggle with this, and I really need you a little more maybe than than the usual. And to be yeah. to know your children and 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 be able to read what they need from you and to be able to give it to them. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of um, very convenient because I think right now as parents we want to. You know, like um, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that happens. Like right now, as a parent, you want to give your child a little bit more nurturance. Like I, you know, I wanted. Um, I we do sleep overnight on Friday nights uh, in our in our family, and um, last night um, I I was one. Got to sleep next to my daughter, and she's bigger than I am. You know, she's three inches taller. <laughs> you know, and you know, mm-hmm. she's definitely a teenager, and I wanted to cuddle. You know, with her and. And that was just you know a really cool thing that what you know for whatever reason is that she she was into a little bit you know more nurturance um mm-hmm. too, so you know I think that this in some ways that meets our needs as parents too um the last thing I'd like to say is the only mm-hmm. here, is that if you as a parent need to talk about this, talk about it with somebody who's supportive to you, another adult, and this isn't something to burden you know, your children with, um, they're experiencing a burden um, with regard to it in their own way. So, so thank you very much um, for listening, and um, we will be talking to you again soon. Have a very happy holiday, and thank you again.